Okay. You should. We had one of our listeners on. <gasps> Evan. What? Evan. Who's, who's Evan? At your replacement. Yeah. Was he great? Sorry to was break this enough? to you. <laughs> he was pretty <laughs> he good, he actually. You didn't have to wait until we started recording the episode to tell me that I got replaced by he Evan. Was, he was it's a awesome. little rude. Okay. Well, we just wanted to record your goodbye. That's why oh, we're here today. sweet. Awesome. You guys yeah. are great. Au revoir. No. <laughs> Au revoir. That's what the whole French conversation leading up to Oh, this is perfect. Fabulous. This is a perfect day, Thanks, everybody. Guys. This is this is the perfect day. Welcome to Game of Owns, where I will be exiting. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. I, we have a consolatory plate of butter for you. Oh, um, perfect. My favorite. I know. I know. You told me about how on your trip <laughs> you had a lot of butter. Well, you know, I wanted to, even though it's, um, you had great weather on your recent trip to France. Mm-hmm. And we had really crappy weather here in the States. It's cold. It's Aww. extremely cold. Well, yeah. Hold on a second. United what do you mean States is cold? crappy well, weather? Uh, yeah. Then, well, I'm sure it was cold in New York, wasn't it, Micah? Uh, the weather's gotten a little bit colder, but it's not that bad. I mean, I, I can still walk outside and I don't need a jacket. Oh, uh, okay. Well, it was, it's been, um, lower fifties here in Japan. Yeah, I heard. Just, I had, I had some people out your way for work. <laughs> recently it's your wnba team was playing in the uh wnba final my wnba team yeah they're, that's right they're finalists damn, damn good straight. job wnba team <laughs> yes they're called the chicago sky cool oh. and they unfortunately lost but uh that's like okay. i said we I have good little know some people teams. out there yeah but they did say it was cold so i i'm validating uh, your claims that it is cold in chicago however in new york while it is a bit cooler uh, I don't think it's cold. So, well, this I, there is a transition I can make into Go for talking it because... about Game of Thrones. Please do, please. Okay, do. awesome. Uh, I'm so glad we started talking about the weather because it was a dark and stormy night uh-huh. when Daenerys Stormborn was born. <laughs> Hence the name, right? <laughs> oh, Stormborn! Oh shit! <laughs> do you think that's a thing? Do you? Yeah. We're just breaking down third walls here. Oh Absolutely. man, that's wow. crazy. No. That's- Good of job. course, George R. R. Martin blends almost perfectly the current events uh, that are befalling our characters as we read through what's now Danny's first chapter of the Storm of Swords. He, he blends, you know, the current with the past quite well. It's actually shocking when you're reading chapters like this, which go between the past and the present, to think that the TV show doesn't do that. You know, they don't have mm-hmm. flashbacks. But in this chapter in particular, we did learn a little bit about this storm that was so terrible that it knocked gargoyles off the wall, et cetera, et cetera, at Dragonstone, while um, presently it's the reason why Danny isn't afraid of a little bit of wind or rain. Mm-hmm. So, and this is this is Danny, her chapter aboard her ships, mm-hmm. um, which is correct me if I'm wrong, but we don't see this in the show at all. There's definitely a scene um, with her on a ship and okay. the dragons are ones dipping in and out of the water. And yeah, I, I'm not remembering exactly which season it may have been season three. I think it's the beginning of season three. I think it's like the first episode leading into season three because her men are throwing up, you know, and she's just like, Hey, you weaklings. Yeah. But you know, we've seen this uh, a little bit in the show. All the best moments were kind of transcribed and written in the book first. Um, the way that the dragons eat, <laughs> charring their meat first. This was just an enjoyable chapter and I mean, it starts out in a way that we know she's on her way to, well, she doesn't know it, but it's on, or she's on her way to Slaver's Bay, but she's coming from Karth after she got the ship. And even though her handmaidens are both still alive, um, you know, we, we know that, uh, she's got a bit more journey to go and she doesn't know who Whitebeard is, um, yet. 
unlike the show. So things are a little bit different from, you know, it's kind of interesting playing catch up, trying to remember what she does know and what she doesn't know. Um, mm-hmm. just getting into Danny, but knowing her arc and knowing what's to come, this is a character like them all to just look, really look out for and really to watch. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that one of the things that the show really couldn't get away from, uh, was revealing who Sir Barristan was, right? Because right. as viewers, there's no way to get around that. Well, however, I will say this though. Yeah. There, now we could have all known who he was, but they could have played it off in the show as if Daenerys had no clue who he was because let's face it. Why would she? Well, she's right. never seen him. Well, I, you know, I think it's funny because I still think they could have like not introduced him and had us and most, and it, people wouldn't know. Because there are so many bearded men on Game of Thrones. Like, this is a running joke. Like, I may, like, even if they showed him in, you know, getting dismissed in season two, maybe the beginning of season two, it, there's still so many, you know, people that they go through on the show that I would have had to, you know, be rewatching or rewind to really know who he is. So I think they could have also just not introduced him at all on the show. But still, um, the, his sort of uh, ambiguous nature here is actually a plot point to kind of show to gauge where Jorah is at, you know, between Jorah and Danny, and serves as a lot of his advice that he gives her in this chapter. Yeah, and uh, I think that it's going to become sort of a, a recurring situation that you're always going to have these two advisors playing off of each other, right? And hmm. Jorah points out in this particular chapter that uh, she shouldn't really put so much trust into Whitebeard because he he's definitely more than he appears to be. There there's there's more than just this you know, relationship that he has with Strong Belwas. It's almost as if it's a mirage. It's it's not real. Mm-hmm. And uh, he cautions her um, to to really uh, pay attention to that specifically because I know I'm jumping a little bit ahead here uh, in the chapter, but because of the whole betrayal uh right that she the prophecy. learned about the prophecy yeah if you want to call it that mm-hmm. uh in in the house of the undying so mm-hmm. uh he thinks that it is uh important that she be very wary of who she surrounds herself with even though he's comical right yeah. he knows that it's about him right the betrayal <laughs> is him <laughs> like it seems these he is oddly he's very cautionary against this person because and he does invoke that um but he, first of all, he knows already that he's a, he's been set up to be this traitor this whole yeah. time. So to me, it seems like the reason he's suspicious or, or invoking suspicion, inciting suspicion in Daenerys is that he doesn't want to be exposed as this traitor. He's pointing the finger. He's calling the kettle black. He's deflecting. Yeah. Yeah. Deflecting. Yeah, That's the word. Exactly. That's the $10 psychology word. Right. Um, yeah. And, and Whitebeard has no, he's, he's right to think, to be suspicious of Whitebeard. And I wonder if Jorah might, I know that, that, um, Barristan has changed in appearance significantly since he was on the King's Guard, but I wonder if Jorah recognizes him at all at this mm-hmm. point, even if it's just like an inkling of recognition, if he's like, this is, this is not somebody that, who's, who's, who's saying who he is, you know, this is, this is something that we should be yeah. wondering about. Yeah. But I think it is just to protect his own ass. I think he, he could be exposed as this, this, uh, if this guy came across the narrow sea, it's just one more person 
from that realm that Jorah doesn't need around. And I think Jorah is is really hypersensitive to that prophecy. Um, A, because he knows he's one of those people, but because if Miri Mazdur is the other one, uh, then they're really only looking for one more. Like, mm-hmm. he, he just thinks they're, I mean, he tells Danny, he advises her, oh, you know, there's two more we still need to look out for, but assuming he's the betrayal for love, is mm-hmm. that, would, would that be that? So the prophecy said, uh, you will be betrayed three times, once for blood, once for gold, and once for love. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume he's love, and I assume Mary Mazder is blood. Mm-hmm. So gold would be the third one. But anyway, he's looking, you know, he's telling her to look out, but really I think for him as her protector, he knows there's one more left to, to fill if he counts himself. If you're right. being honest, if he's being honest with himself, he should count himself. Um, because of his, you know, already agree, already agreement to spy on her. Yeah. It's, it's interesting though, because you're, you're right. I think he is trying to figure out who this third traitor might be. And he does view himself because he's in love with her as her protector, at least to some degree. But isn't that a curious relationship? Because he's, he is, he is traitorous. He is spying on her and sending information back to King's Landing about Daenerys's movements, but almost certainly thinks of himself as someone who's taking care of her and keeping her alive. Uh, and, and that's, that's such a weird, um, I don't even know how to describe it. Not dichotomy, but but sort of a two-faced way of believing what yeah. one's role is. He seems a little self-delusional. Well, I mean, he's one of the few men on that ship who can even, I don't know, be on a ship. You know, everybody else is sick and throwing up and retching, except, of course, Captain Grolio and his men. But, you know, she is, she's still not strong is, is really the big thing here. And, and mm-hmm. she does need Jorah. And so even if he is still passing along information. I'm not sure at what point he gives that up. Um, but you know, I, th- yeah. I think that even if she, she, he, she does need him still. And I, I think even though her dragons are growing and they can start, you know, charring meat a little bit, they're about the size of dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she does, she does still need Jorah to a point. So it is interesting, but I think the circumstances warrant like him taking care of her. It, it is, he is an interesting character though, for this reason. You're right. Yeah. And we never get a Jorah perspective chapter. Never? So he's, like, mm-mm. Yeah. So I, I think that he is, he's a, an especially interesting character because we never truly understand his motivations or, you know, he's, he declares that he's in love with her and we see it mm-hmm. on the show. This is so incredibly well portrayed. This love that he has for Daenerys mm-hmm. seems very true. Um, but because we can never see his side of things and, and know his true motivations, um, is he in love with her because of her dragons? Is he in love with her because he believes in her power? Is he pretending to be in love with her to stay close to her? It's all sort of up in the air. Um, and of course, seeing it from Daenerys's perspective, it's all twisted a little bit mm-hmm. uh, because of her motivations and how, how she feels about things. And she's very, I mean, she, again, she's in this story, she's very young. She's like 14, right. 15, something like that. Um, and he's, he's quite an old dude. And so it's, it's a little bit, a little bit creepy. I, it's, it's something and he that lays one on her too. Yeah, he does. He does. And then he stares <laughs> openly at her boobs while he's talking to her, which is great. Um, but I mean, I, who I, hasn't done that? An, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we've seen, we've seen lovely Amelia in the nude. Um, we've, I think we've all enjoyed that, but it is, it is a little bit strange. And it's something that we take for granted when it comes to Game of Thrones because 
We do have a lot of creepiness when it comes to male female relationships. And so mm. even just like the fact that an older man uh, placed, planted a kiss on a, a half naked underage yeah. woman is just something like, it's like the least creepy thing <laughs> that happened <laughs> in Game of Thrones. <laughs> but we, it's, it's troubling, you know, it's, it's Jorah being kind of an inappropriate weirdo. Um, and and certainly overstepping his bounds when it comes to propriety in in Daenerys's opinion. Oh, I, th- I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's true a lot. Um, also, here's a question for you guys: Do so he in this in the course of the chapter, Jorah advises Daenerys to not go meet with Illyrio immediately to use his stuff to buy some Unsullied. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of instead of going ahead and crossing the narrow sea and and starting her invasion with what she has right now or trying to get her army over there or whatever, he tells her, "No, we should stay here and try to get some unsullied. What do you think? Here's a cool story about stuff that the unsullied can do." <laughs> uh, and and she's like, she's like, "Yeah, good point." So Jora, for whatever reason, is invested in, in her not crossing the narrow sea. So my question is for you guys. Do you think that his motivation is sincere in helping her to bolster her forces before she crosses, or does he have uh, an ulterior motive for trying to get her to stay? That's interesting. It's an interesting question. I mean, I think because, the, um, for instance, Barristan, uh, or sorry, Whitebeard, um, I mean, didn't he like have to swear an oath of protection for her? Or I know in the show they they do eventually, but they they swear to be on her side and. What comes along with that is they're declaring her like the one true queen or, you know, in her case, queen of the seven kingdoms, like because they're sworn, you know, to protect her, be alongside her, their end game is for her to sit the Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. And so there, I think the reason that I'm answering the question this way is because do I think Jor loves her? Yes. Wants her to grow? Yes. But do I think that he thinks that she's the only person who can rule Westeros? Like it's her her birthright that I'm not so sure about at this point because mm. he, he, he is sworn to, you know, spy on her for, for Baratheon. So, you know, who his like where his uh, sights are for which King, sh- you know, or queen should be on the throne, I think is a little different than his, his protection of her now. Like, I think it's, it's definitely a smart idea to go get someone sullied, um, especially sure. after he tells her that story of how cool they are. Right. Um, yeah. They are pretty cool. It's a great question that you ask because at this point in the story, you know, we, we obviously are benefiting from having seen the television show and, and knowing how things play itself out uh, further on down the line. But if you're reading this for the first time and we should really approach it as if we are, you would have to question the motive of Ser Jorah. And, and you know, we know that he has been feeding information, at least in the past, back to one person in particular so, you know, you, you wonder if there's still a motive on his part to continue what that person may want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he hasn't been revealed for uh, a liar at this point and for basically spying on Daenerys for the better part of the first two books. So, you know, even though his perspective of her may have changed and his allegiance is now to her fully, there may still be a part of him that is working on behalf of this person because, right, and, and I'm referring to Varys, mm-hmm. we we hear Varys at one point say that, 
you know, that Jorah has really now become in her service, mm-hmm. right? right? At one time, he, he was working for King Robert and Varys, but now he's fully in Daenerys' service. Mm-hmm. However, Varys doesn't always tell the truth. So you almost wonder, is he working still in the best interests of whatever Varys' interests are and, and you know, trying to have her go out and create this army because let's face it if she's going to come back to westeros and she's going to win she's going to need more than dragons Mm -hmm. and especially if they're not full grown so now she's she's taking the whispers that jorah's putting in her ears this story right Mm -hmm. of of the unsullied and then how what they defeated twenty thousand or something crazy like that yeah it's pretty big pretty big number yeah. And so she completely changes course and and you know he uses Illyrio basically against himself, right? And I'm saying he he's using Illyrio against Illyrio by saying, "Well, if this man really has your best interests at heart, he won't mind us selling all the stuff that's on these ships yeah. to go and buy the these warriors that will fight on your behalf." Right. And you know we're going to basically now turn course and ride roughshod through slaver's bay and we we know how a lot of the story plays itself out but you you do absolutely you have to question the motive right because this this guy is basically throwing everything awry right uh-huh. white beard had a plan belwas had a plan they're going back to illyrio they're illyrio's men we're going to see what's going to happen in pentos but then all of a sudden jorah jumps in and says hey no actually wait a second why don't you Go to was it uh, Astapor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, that's fishy. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it is it's interesting too because there's two different ways that this would play out in Jorah's mind, and both of them are wins for King's Landing. One way is that Daenerys comes back to King's Landing. She goes, she sails as planned. She sails and meets Illyrio, and then she crosses the narrow sea or whatever, um, and she has no army and. Therefore, it's very unlikely that she would win against King's Landing's army, like they're, they're the army of the Lannisters and and everyone else that would rally with them. I think that Danny would lose that fight. So Jorah is trying to tell her this and say, you know, it, it'd be probably better if you came with a giant army of of slaves instead of you know, nobody really. Um, and so <laughs> Danny's like, oh yeah, you know what? Actually some, probably bringing some dudes to fight is not a bad idea. But uh, the the way that this will play out with her agreeing to go grab these slaves, Jorah's correct perhaps in assuming that she's going to get delayed indefinitely on this side of the narrow sea um, and more crazy shit. There's, there's more chances of stuff befalling her um, and and delaying her invasion. Well, at the same time, the longer she waits, the bigger her dragons grow. And yeah, and also the the less controllable, as we've seen. Oh, you're right. Yeah, Dro- Drogon taken out. Drogon still does. Yeah, you're right. Taken actually. out fools. So maybe yeah. it's not that much of an advantage if she uh, can't keep a close enough eye on them. That's a good point. The last line in this chapter to me be- betrays what. Jorah's ultimate intention is. So he's told her to turn turn and go to Astapor and get some unsullied. And he tells her this story and she's she's all about it. She gets all excited. 
Uh, and then he kisses her for a long time. And then she tells him, that's not what you're supposed to do to your queen. <laughs> and he says uh, that she's super beautiful. And she's, she's like, this is not, this is not cool. And then what he says at the end is, um, Rhaenys and Visenya were Aegon's wives as well as his sisters. You have no brothers, but you can take husbands. And I tell you truly, Daenerys, there is no man in all the worlds who will ever be half so true to you as me. And this is just after he's told her that the dragon has three heads and she's supposed to ride with her two brothers slash husbands or whatever on these dragons. And she's mm -hmm. like, I don't have any brothers. And he's like, aha, but you can get married. And I'm a dude who <laughs> would totally marry you and I'm ride one of your dragons around. He's a dude. I, Jorah, she's a dude. <laughs> Jorah wants dudes. to be a dragon rider alongside Daenerys. I, and okay, to be fair, who doesn't? I would, who doesn't want to, I would a hundred percent marry somebody if I could ride around on their dragon. Like that's yeah. just, mm -hmm. that's just the way it is. I think I a understand. dragon is a trump card. It's a pretty big, yeah, it's a big deal. It's pretty cool. And, and so in addition to Danny being this like hot young lady, she also has dragons that will potentially be rideable. And so Jorah's making his move on that. Um, and so that's, that's one more thing that causes me to question where his loyalties actually lie. If it's just, if he's just like, she's hot and she's got dragons, I'm into that. Like that, that makes, that's fine. That makes perfect sense. Uh, I think he really likes her. I mean, I, but I'm swayed by the way that, um, Ian Glenn's puppy dog guys look at, you know, Emily Clark. Right. Uh, yeah. on the look show at you through the screen on the show. But at the same time, <laughs> look, it's a hell of a tactic. Not only, my soul. not only will she have, um, dragons but she'll have an army and dragons it's like an, an army of unsullied and mm -hmm. so whatever um you know whatever dothraki managed to survive and dragons and i, I think that mm -hmm. is that is really such a good tactic it's such good advice he could have just not said anything i mean here right. here's the thing he could have just not said anything she probably either didn't hear you know didn't ever hear of the unsullied or she's very minimal knowledge and he would he would not have put that plan in, in place, it would not have been in place. And by the time they reached Illyrio, you know, they're so close to Westeros that they would have either tried to get an army there, which wouldn't have worked or, you know, wouldn't have been as yeah. impressive or not. Right. So I think the, the very fact that he mentioned this in the nick of time, um, and it's such a good idea that I, I think that really shows that he is, um, on her side. What more on her side? I see. I, I would take the, the flip side of that argument and say that, it's all it's somewhat careful planning or maybe it's more you know he got some sort of notification right what that he should be directing her in that particular way you know mm -hmm. who just says in the middle of the ocean right hey we should actually turn course and go here and do this well it's you know, before it's we just, pass it by true. i mean do you think that he's just trying to show up uh whitebeard maybe or maybe varus has put this in his ear Maybe Varys is actually invested in Danny building up her army. You know, maybe there's, there's that's interesting. Some, yeah, like well, we this. know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we know that he served House Targaryen, so mm -hmm. it's not it's not out of the realm of possibilities. And I and I think that you know the, the point that you raise, Eric, is you know is a good one in 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 that he could be trying to show him up because. Right, it's it's, it's just a back and of, forth. It's a constant back and forth between those right. two all the and, time. And he's part of, uh, and he being Barristan or Whitebeard is part of Illy of Illyrio's plan right now. Mm -hmm. And so 
Jorah may just be saying, well, I don't really trust this guy. He's not what he appears to be. And now all of a sudden we're on these ships and we're sailing back towards Pentos. I think we should do what I want to do, I being in quotations, and mm-hmm. and go the route of building up an army because he's not sure what could await them once they get to Pentos. It, he's, it's, he's saying you need some people behind you. You can't just go in there right. with three young dragons, which you know could easily be um, snuffed. Well, snuffed or you know some somehow contained mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're you have to remember this is the same guy who sold you to Caldrogo right, right. With, um, with no well and and obviously Viserys was part of that as well but sure. you know Illyrio's a little bit older than <laughs> he should know better he should know better <laughs> exactly so yeah. this guy is not the most trustworthy person or at least the most responsible person in the world so now we have everything kind of moving on into a completely different course, and Danny's going to go to Astapor and try and get herself some unsullied. It's just interesting and a little bit disappointing that the two people who read the book seem to ask the question a little bit more pressed, more like, "Is he is he really on her side?" Question mark. You know, end of sentence phrase. Because I I like to believe he is. Like heck yes. You know, I'm just like hey, seems like he is. But you well, guys are. But can I can I just counter that though? Because you know. <laughs> There's always an underlying story to any of the actions that people take, right? Sure. I mean, go back to, and I'm just use this as an example, Lysa Aaron, right? She, she did everything she did because she loved Baelish. Right. But that wasn't, that wasn't on the forefront. That wasn't put out there. Nobody knew that. And Mm -hmm. then there's the whole reveal that she killed her husband and, and she, she faked the note to the Starks that set this whole, series in motion really yeah and and so there's there's always some underlying situation that we're not privy to and so i think it is it is good at least in some circumstances to ask these questions because Mm -hmm. what we what we're reading on the surface isn't always what it's cracked up to be just like you know jorah questions Whitebeard, why can't we question Jorah? Well, I think mm-hmm. for Jorah, I'm trying to remember when we read this, but we learned a bit about Jorah and Bear Island and his father and kind of how Jorah, I think in general, we, we were seeing like he's searching for honor again. Like he, he kind of sees this eventually, the broad strokes, he sees this, you know, protection, the first the spying of, you know, spying on and then the protection of. Danny as an opportunity for, you know, to sort of regain some honor that he lost. Um, and so for that, you know, with using that, I just think, yeah, okay, he's, he, he's a good guy. But I, I think also what you're saying is completely true. I mean, he could be in it for a very specific reason that may conflict later with what she wants to do. I mean, right. maybe he just doesn't want. Well, Westeros. I would also throw out there the, the other side of the coin, Kate. Uh, <laughs> nah, not that bad again. <laughs> what's important about this, though, is that we've, it, you know, and we've touched on this in other episodes, is that nobody in this series is a hundred percent good or a hundred percent evil. Right? There, there's both, and mm-hmm. both shine through at different times, and so that's why I'm not saying that Jorah is a bad quote unquote character. Because I think there are things about him that, you know, showcase uh, his true character 
in a good way. And I think that there are redeemable qualities about him as well. And I think that everybody was kind of shocked, right, by what happened when Daenerys dismisses him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're talking about the TV show now. I know, I was going to say, obviously isn't it? haven't gotten there yeah. in the book. But you have to wonder, though, is that a smart decision on her? We don't know. Like, we don't know the answer to that question yet because, as Kate pointed out before, you don't get yet into Jorah's mind to know what's really going on there. Like, right. What 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 are his true intentions? We don't know. Well, you know, it's 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 kind of you're talking about the ambiguous nature of people, and it just reminds me of. I mean, it's kind of like the dragons, right? With Captain Grolio suspending a bunch of buckets filled with water all across the ship, just in case the dragons start a fire so that he can quickly pour them out. It's just, it's a precaution, right? The dragons are not all good. They're not all bad. They produce fire. It's a good idea to kind of watch them and I, you know, be cautious and be prepared. And I think that's the way to play the game is, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of be prepared for, for yeah. Danny to, to kind of, See, and, and right now, I mean, getting back to this chapter a little bit, um, you know, Whitebeard tells her a story and she likes stories. Like Everybody she, loves a good story. Well, yeah, she likes Kate hearing. Kate was telling us a story earlier. She, she likes hearing, uh, she likes hearing about her brother and, um, all of that stuff. And of course, well, I guess George, you know, one ups and tells her the story of the unsullied, um, versus the Dothraki. So it is a story chapter. I don't think he one up though. I think the story about Rhaegar was pretty good. Yeah. I, you, yeah, it's a good story. Yeah, Rhaegar seems like he was such a cool dude. I wish, <laughs> I wish we know. I mean, we hear we hear a lot of things about Rhaegar from other people's perspectives, obviously, because he is dade. But he seems like he was awesome, and everybody loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was there was one statement Jorah made in this in this chapter where he said it's it said that no man truly knew Rhaegar. I think it was Jorah. Maybe maybe it was Whitebeard. I think it was who said it. Jorah. Maybe. Um, but it was it, it, it's funny because it's. You hear all these stories and everyone seems to be very affectionate about Rhaegar, but he is, he is a very mysterious person. Did anybody really know him? Who knows? We'll never know. We have, we have only tales after, after someone dies, often you hear the best shit about them. So, um, maybe, maybe he was awful. Um, I also think that this last, the, the thing that I read earlier, I tell you truly, Daenerys, there is no man in all the world who will ever be so half, God, I cannot read this. Who <laughs> will ever be half so true to you as me is kind of a depressing statement. <laughs> like, it's an insult. It's- what if it's true? You know, what yeah. if no man in the world will ever be half as true to Danny as Jorah is? And Jorah is a conniving, backstabbing. Like, I think fuck. it's conditional. I think it's conditional on her saying yes. It like, might be. Henceforth, I yeah. will not betray you, yeah. you know. Or it could, this could be him truly making his vow to not betray her anymore he's not going to send any more communiques back to king's landing he is totally her creature maybe this is the moment where he is making that declaration but you never know you you can't say for sure when that happens or if it happens yeah it's just a bummer and the flip side eric here i'll I'll play a little devil's advocate from before and i would say that you know perhaps jorah is just suspicious of whitebeard because of all this knowledge that he brings to the table and maybe he thinks that it's just another trap, you know, for for Danny to sail to Magister Illyrio. Maybe Illyrio is not even going to be there when they show up. Maybe it's an ambush. Maybe it's a real possibility that Daenerys could be killed. And Jorah is just looking out for her best interest. And that's what this whole suspicion 
uh, is really all about and, and why he decides to divert the plans. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, maybe the other thing is too, they don't know Whitebeard this well. He's seen, he, you know, I think George says he, he talks pretty well. Um, but, and it's clearly not just like this, this old man with no skills. You know, you, they saw what he did with the staff. So I think it's, you know, could it also be they just don't want to be in close quarters with this guy who they barely know? Yeah, it's kind of claustrophobic on this ship and he could mm-hmm. kill them easier, maybe. I don't know. Um, so that's an option. I must say I'm late for a wedding reception. <laughs> so I need to run off, but I'm leaving the rest of the chapter in your two capable hands. We have of, four hands. Four hands. Your f- two pair of capable <laughs> hands. Wow, Eric. I know. Um, but I will give wow. my own. I would like to give my own of the episode to the this aspect of dragons that is um, revealed in this chapter, which is that they grow or that you can stint their growth by putting them in a chamber. This was just so totally awesome. We heard about the uh, dragon pit at King's Landing but we learned that dragons actually will not stop growing um, their whole life unless you keep them confined. So I really thought that was just awesome. Mm. And the story That's about cool. it. Yeah. Um, so that gets my own dragon. Oh, dragon. <laughs> I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you guys, I will talk to you later. We do have owns on Twitter. Go check them out. And thank you both. This was lovely. Yeah, you have fun at your wedding reception. We'll see you next week. I'll be right back. <laughs> well, we thank He's Eric really good for at giving that. us that. Oh, <laughs> and uh, I'm talking to myself right now because <laughs> Eric was hosting oh, the call. Eric has hung up on both of us. I'm still recording this. Oh, Micah's calling me. Hey, Micah. <laughs> yeah, it was nice of Eric who uh, just dropped the just call on us. us. Completely screwed up the flow of the episode. <laughs> Doofus. Anyway. Okay. Um, well, I'm I'm good with moving into owns. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, now we discussed this chapter of death. I've uh my own I think goes to Illyrio for being so hypothetically generous that he would use even his tiger skins to pay for an army of unsullied, which I don't think he ends up paying for. So whew. Right. But thanks, Illyrio. Yeah. I mean, I think I have to give it to to Jorah because he just he completely changes the course of events in in this chapter by convincing Daenerys to go to Astapor and to try and and get these Unsullied to fight on her behalf. And I think that that in and of itself is unworthy. Yeah, I agree. Even though Jorah is a slimy little fuck, it's cool. <laughs> I love Jorah. I love Jorah. I now that Eric's his, gone, no. <laughs> I understand his motivations are complicated, but. They He's are still slimy. So, in addition to our owns, uh, we asked for yours on Twitter, and uh, we did get a few here. I don't know how we do this without Eric. It's not Eric Skull reads the tweets. Wait, it could be Eric Skull reads the <laughs> tweets in however long it takes my car or less. <laughs> All right. Uh, the first one comes from Atomics IGN on uh, the Tweety Bird, and uh, he says, "My own goes to Grolio." The fire marshal. Mm. So, uh, in reference to uh, what Eric was talking about before, how he has all those buckets around the ship mm-hmm. that can be uh, used to douse the flames of uh, a pissed off Drogon. Yeah, good, good. Uh, Hannah Gunn says the usurper Robert Baratheon gets my own for Danny's chapter. 
even long dead, he still managed to get mentioned four times here. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Timothy Mulligan says, own for Danny one goes to whatever Rhaegar read in those scrolls that told him he needed to be a warrior. Ooh, that's a really good own. Maybe not the best advice. Yeah, I mean, I guess it didn't super pan out well for him. But he was apparently a great warrior. It seems like Rhaegar was just good at everything he put his mind to. That's an excellent own. I like that one. It is. And... um I, I'd have to agree, right? I mean, maybe he should have st- stuck to playing the harp. <laughs> Who knows what would have happened if Rhaegar had stuck to playing the harp? Like, mm-hmm. it would would he even have met Lyanna and pissed off Robert so much that he died? And and uh, Robert, him and Robert Mance Raider could have started their own band. Ah, oh, that would have been great. Who's maybe we should devise like a fantasy band, like a Game of Thrones band? What other what other instrumentalists do we know? There's the minstrel, the guy um, at uh, the Eerie will be blamed for- Some things. Yes, for things that happen. <laughs> well, we'll workshop this. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we will. We, we can work it out. <laughs> we can work this out. Uh, this next one comes from Margot. Okay. French name. Mm-hmm. Or Margot mm-hmm. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's, her, that's her Twitter handle. With three M's. Oh, and she has a picture of a dog in her- uh, her avatar there. Oh, nice. I don't know what kind it is, but he looks happy. Or she. <laughs> I can't tell from that picture. She says, uh, for Danny One, Frogon owned his brothers by being the first at everything. Overachieving dragon. Hashtag <laughs> dragon own. And uh, the, the joke there is, of course, that um, Frogon was really autocorrected from Drogon. <laughs> Frogon. <laughs> I like this. I like this. <laughs> um, and then uh, Sand Snake on Twitter jumped in to say, Frogon is the lesser known child of Daenerys. He hops instead of flying. He's dot, dot, dot special. <laughs> <laughs> so good. They got a little back and forth going here with some people. Um, different uh, different listeners jumping in to make some Hashtag funny comments. Uh, uh, not Dan H says, uh, own goes to Jorah for making a move on the other of dragon okay the mother of dragons come on guys <laughs> get your autocorrects working uh strong bellos gets runner up for actually existing in the book ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, strong bellos mm-hmm. <sighs> and then uh one other own here from mm-hmm. i love rectify who i think is just uh poking fun at uh, our good friend whitebeard um referring to him <laughs> as sir grandfather with the quote I'm the Queen's man still, today, tomorrow, always, until my last breath or hers. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's actually a quote from Sir Barristan, isn't it? Um, mm, I think so. From this past season. So mm-hmm. uh, we thank everybody for, of course, sending in their owns. That was Eric Skull reads the tweets in however long it takes Micah or less, <laughs> as uh, coined by Kate. Yes. Uh, and... Uh, we uh, we do enjoy getting your owns, and we really like sort of when it takes off and there's that banter back and forth that uh, we got a chance to read through yeah, before. Yeah, talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, exactly. In a Long Island accent, mm-hmm. like Kate just mm-hmm. did. Or Jersey, depending on how you're feeling. That's, that's up to you, man. I don't know. You tell me, because I can. I do an accent, and I think it's just generic New York, New Jersey, but maybe that's that's somehow really like district-ist of me. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. That's, we can talk. We'll Statist. Statist. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. Um, it's you. Yep. So we also, we have Facebook. Usually Eric reads all about Facebook. We have, we can scroll upon our wall. Something about Sam. 
Those are the things that I know about Sam Facebook. Sam guards the wall Sam usually the wall. from like 3 a.m. on. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. That's um, a shift. So please feel free if you uh, if you are a Facebook user, facebook.com slash Game of Owns. You can mm-hmm. give your owns there or on Twitter, twitter.com slash Game of Owns. Um, we have iTunes stuff. Micah, do we have iTunes reviews to read? Yeah, I'm looking them up right now, actually. Okay. That sounds good. In the meantime, if you want to send us a longer format communication you can do so through email contact at gameofowns.com we do accept owns that way as well and uh, our next chapter actually is brand so the oh. the first time we will uh jump inside that is it the first time i think it is the first time we're gonna jump inside his head here in uh a storm of swords in storm of swords yes no the first time ever <laughs> i will talk about patreon you can join our bannermen at patreon.com slash goo and it's awesome. We just we just published our first big monthly content dump, which is I'm looking at it right now. It's 77 minutes long. That's a whole lot of extra content right there. <laughs> that is too much. I'm kind of afraid of listening to it. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what he put in there. As you did mention, uh, we do have iTunes, and I was going to read some reviews, but unfortunately, I'm going to iTunes right now, and I think all the five star ratings, all 506. Five-star ratings that we have on iTunes have somehow broken the system, and they're just not going to let us, <laughs> or let the listeners, for that matter, Aww. rate the show anymore, at least for the next day or so. As as we sit here on a Monday night recording the show, uh, iTunes does not seem to be functioning properly. So uh, we'll save those reviews, um, and, and the reason why we encourage you to do it um, is because you know a lot of times we'll read tweets and posts and other things on the show. Uh, about how people may have just started listening or you know they have friends who are interested and it's really a great way uh, for people to find that we do exist you know people who are on iTunes and are looking for something that's Game of Thrones related we're in the uh, the official off season but it's our on season as we go through the third book and uh, it's just a really easy way for potential uh, listeners to find out uh, that we exist. So uh, we appreciate you heading on over there and leaving us your feedback. Uh, and nothing less than five stars will do, I think, in the month of September, if I That's recall right. correctly about mm-hmm. the, my September facts. That is correct. Excellent. I'm going to go in and write a complaint to uh, iTunes because it is not working for yeah, us. How dude. dare it not work for us? Yeah. The one time we wanted to read in like the last couple of weeks and no, we can't do it. So I just realized also we never addressed the fact that we're down uh, Zach today. Oh, yeah. I didn't even well, miss him until now. That's ter- <laughs> <laughs> Zach's not here, but he'll be back next week. Yes, yeah, Zach is off traveling um, on Game of Thrones related uh, duty. And uh, he's... He told uh, me it was Hogwarts business. Oh, yeah. He gets confused about that stuff sometimes. But (laughs) it's because he's rereading the the Potter series. That must have been why he did that. Oh, my God. uh, I just finished my rewatch of the whole movie series last night. No, it was early this morning. I got up at 4 a.m. to watch the last Harry Potter movie. And uh, I cried when Snape died. I'm going to be honest. I've seen that movie only once before. And I've read the book, and I've I, you know I knew everything that was going to happen, but the whole Snape flashback thing and Snape dying, I was just like, "This is some rough shit." It was so it good. Mm-hmm. I cried like a little baby. Well, anyway, you're a better man than I am. <laughs> I think I think everyone can agree. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that about does it for this episode. Zach will be back in in full frontal. <laughs> No. Capacity. 
<laughs> oh, next no. week. No full and, frontal uh, for Zach, please. <laughs> he uh, he will return from his Game of Thrones related business, and uh, hopefully, he still um, you know has uh, a hand, a head, mm-hmm. all those all those important body parts mm-hmm. uh, that people who go on Game of Thrones related business tend to lose. True. So uh like that's why I, that's why I said we want him back in full frontal capacity. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, but, sorry uh, Zach. No, it's not disgusting. It's great. It's great that you have a frontal and it could be full. We just don't we just don't need it mm. here in this context. Well, Eric so it's will very like nice. It. Sure. I'm digging myself into a hole. Let's uh let's close out the show, shall we? Let's try. We've been trying. <laughs> We're let's trying try again. This show, this show that would not die. Uh without Eric and Zach here, it just feels weird. It's like there's nobody else saying goodbye. I need them. Nope. I need them to say goodbye. Yeah, let's usually they're good at it. Like I'm gonna Eric. do I'm gonna do a, a farewell impression of the four of them. Of the four of us. Okay. Alright, here we go. Alright, that's it for this episode. I'm Kate. I'm Eric. I'm Zach. And I'm Micah. Have a good one. <laughs> get, get gooey. Day gooey. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Rocky Balboa, apparently. Eat your brand. <laughs>